0: Welcome back to These Are The Words, I'm Eric Grun and we are going to pick up where we left off in the section called Uncle Elijah, The Gurus, The Young Man and Elder Paisios by Dionysios Farasiotis. Uncle Elijah. There was an old man We called Uncle Elijah, who used to live at the foot of the hill close to the last homes on the outskirts of Florina. He didn't have his own home or any possessions other than the same old rags that he wore regardless of the season. In the winter, he would wrap himself up with plastic to keep from getting wet. Even though many people would offer him their storage sheds to stay in, he would always come up with some excuse so that he could continue to sleep outdoors near a chapel that he had built. For food, he ate whatever people would give, would give to him. Most of the time he kept to himself. Everyone knew him and most people thought he was crazy, although there was always some room for doubt. His quick-witted answers impressed everyone. And in fact, it was said that he was very learned and went mad on account of all his studies. There were plenty of strange tales about Uncle Elijah that made people curious, including the rumor, or rather suspicion, that he was a saint. Children enjoyed talking with Dante, quote-unquote Dante, as they called him, and they genuinely loved him for his carefree and uninhibited way of life. And there's a photograph of Uncle Elijah. (laughs) A friend of mine said that he looks like a fool, one of the fools for Christ, because I I thought this was Father Paisios, but it is not Father Paisios. He said he he didn't look like Father Paisios, and he didn't wear the priestly garments. So he said uh, he just looks like a one of the fools for Christ. Uh, (laughs) And another friend of mine said that uh, he looks just like a a sweet old grandpa. (laughs) So, from childhood, I remember him as a stooping old man Who slowly dragged his feet as he walked. When I was in elementary school, I remember meeting him on the road as he was walking backwards, as he often did. I asked him, Uncle Elijah, why are you walking backwards? Because the devil is bothering me, he answered. I don't want to look at him. (laughs) He's standing over there. Don't you see him? And he pointed to a certain spot. I looked there and, I, and felt a spine-chilling fear, but I didn't see anything. <laughs> he asked again, Don't you see him? I responded negatively and full of apprehension ran away. <laughs> I ran away. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Some years later, during an exam period in junior high, I recall some of my fellow students who were rather shaky in physics, cheerfully coming out of the room where they had taken their physics examinations. They had passed the tests that they were in danger of failing, or that they were Uh, I'm sorry, they had passed the test that they were in danger of failing. And with raised voices, they happily recounted how Uncle Elijah had told them the very questions that would appear on two of their exams. At first, we didn't believe them. But then, when they swore emphatically, and related all the details of their conversation. A large number of other children began to go and ask Uncle Elijah about the questions on their exams. Uncle Elijah, however, told these children to study, and if they still insisted, he would send them to an icon of the Holy Virgin to pray for her to help them. Although Uncle Elijah would make many absurd and unintelligible statements, University of Phoenix is a- uh. Let's see if I Oh boy. Okay. This is St. Petersburg Chamber Choir, Our Father Rimsky Korsakov. Rimsky Korsakov is another famous Russian composer. Okay. I have to realize that uh, it only goes for three minutes. Okay. Although Uncle Elijah would make many absurd and unintelligible statements when speaking, many sensible and educated people went to speak with him. I knew several cases of people who in all seriousness maintained that, in spite of all his gibberish, Uncle Elijah had helped them with counsels that had referred to situations and problems that had not yet arisen. The way of life to which he adhered for so many years reminded me of the form of Christian spiritual asceticism followed by those known as fools for Christ, and that's what that's that's what uh, my friend was saying—a fool, fool for Christ. Few people attempt such a difficult path because it is an arduous struggle (laughs) that requires a very firm spiritual foundation. Oh, Lord. In old age, Uncle Elijah finally agreed to move into a shed during the winter (laughs) months. (laughs) I'm <laughs> sorry, I'm just thinking of a friend of mine who may end up taking this path unbeknownst to him uh he most certainly he most certainly has taken that path i believe I believe he is a fool for Christ, and hopefully he stays that way. In old age, Uncle Elijah finally agreed to move into a shed during the winter months where I spoke with him before I set off for India. When I told him about my plans, he invited me into the shed and spoke to me at length about his life in order to teach me about Christianity. Before 1940, he intended to be a village clerk. He loved the most pure virgin very much. Once, he told me, when he was walking through a field going to another village, some wild dogs started to chase him. Oh, that is nice. Okay, let's keep this on. That's nice, very nice. I knew several cases of people who in all seriousness maintained that, in spite of all his gibberish, Uncle Elijah had helped them with counsels that had referred to situations and problems that had not yet arisen. Okay, few few people attempt such a difficult path because it is an arduous struggle that requires a very firm spiritual foundation. In old age, Uncle Elijah finally agreed to move into a shed during the winter months where I spoke with him before I set off for India. When I told him about my plans, he invited me into the shed and spoke to me at length about his life in order to teach me about Christianity. Before 1940, he intended to be a a village clerk. He loved the most pure virgin very much. Once he told me when he was walking through a field going to another village, some wild dogs started to chase him he was forced to climb up a tree, where he remained throughout the entire night, praying and singing to the All-Holy Virgin. In fact, he composed a beautiful hymn to her in the tree, which he recited to me. Wow! He was in Florina during the German occupation, and one day as he traveled to his job walking along the road on the outskirts of the city the most pure virgin appeared to him dazed he stayed rooted at the spot for some time before continuing on his way in the meantime the british were bombing the city in order to destroy its railroad station where many germans had gathered when Eli- when uncle elijah reached the building where he worked, he found nothing but a large crater where it had once stood. If the most pure virgin hadn't delayed him, he would surely have been killed. So he returned to the place where the virgin appeared to him. Built a small chapel he called the Merciful Pure Virgin and lived next to it for the rest of his life. He told me that he said the prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, and that he had visited the holy mountain long ago. When I spoke to him about Father Paisios, he seemed to know him very well, even though he hadn't left Florina for years, oh, he has surpassed us all. Tell him to pray for me and send me a prayer rope. (laughs) He then grew silent and prayed. I told him about the techniques I had learned at the Silva Mind Control Seminar several several months earlier. I tried to use some of them in his presence, but to my surprise, absolutely nothing happened. He then told me, don't go to India. They'll eat you alive over there. I didn't listen to him, of course, and went anyway. The Radiance of Uncle Elijah The next time I saw him was after my return, the day after the Elder's operation on me. I awoke a changed man. I could still palpably sense the Elder's blessing, which, had, which made me feel wonderful, peaceful, and full of affection for my surroundings. That morning I was taking a walk, When I ran into Uncle Elijah, the least of those in the city, as he referred to himself. (laughs) This stooped old man with long, dirty hair and unkempt beard was sitting on the edge of the sidewalk where he had lit a fire in a trash can. The children had stopped playing in order to encircle him. With his head bent over, he would speak to them looking up at them every once in a while. As I watched him, I noticed that he was enveloped in an immaterial, transparent, color- colorless light. Immaterial, transparent, colorless light. This radiant, gladsome light was very sweet and was similar to the white light I had seen around the Elder. Although it was less intense, it was the grace welling up within him and this like a magnet was attracting the children. I had long considered him to be a spiritual person who hid his great ascetic struggle under the cover of foolishness in order to avoid vain glory and the praise of men since his love was God and not the world with its barren comforts now i could see with my own eyes that my belief had been justified with the familiarity with the familiarity granted me by the grace i had just received i cheerfully approached him and said hello uncle elijah startled he lifted up his head and at once recognized the presence of the Elder's blessing. Astonished he looked at me carefully, as though he were trying to discover the cause of this change in me. Last night, I told him, Father Paisios put me in this state. Ah yes, he responded, he has surpassed us all. He then began to ask me various questions. At one point I told him, Elder, I can see a radiance about you, coming from a light shining within you. He didn't respond, but with some embarrassment bent his head. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself Down. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God Matthew four seven. According to the gospels, on one of the occasions that the devil tried to cause Christ to sin and break God's commandments. The Lord silenced him by referring to the commandment, Thou shalt not the Lord thy God. In the Old Testament it is recorded that it was by the mouth of the holy prophet Moses that God gave man this commandment, which forbids man to test his maker, acting deviously towards God, and so bringing on himself many woes unfortunately i didn't have this commandment in mind in the days after my operation my ignorance and insolence were the cause of my failing to a great temptation of my falling to a great temptation after the great blessing i had received A few days after Pascha, I decided to take an afternoon walk in the forest outside Florina. As I have already mentioned, I had become a changed man. Suddenly, with my calm and clear mind, the world seemed more vivid, and my relationship with God's creatures deepened becoming more sensitive and sincere. It was a joy to be with the animals, the birds, the trees, and even the smallest blade of grass bursting with life. I understood their way of life directly by experience and not by abstract reflection. I cheerfully spoke to them and they listened to me. I tenderly caressed them and understood their intentions and the movements of their inner beings. I loved them all. This extraordinarily beautiful, peaceful, and loving relationship between man and the world must have characterized the genuine life of paradise the elder must be in such a state every day i thought indeed he once said when i was in stomio at the little monastery near Gonitsa, there were two bears i'm sorry there were two bears who would come to the place where i would dispose of the garbage The poor things were hungry, so I would go and give them some bread. The animals can recognize your disposition when you approach them, if you intend to kill them or if you approach them with love. Even the wildest beast won't bother you if you approach it with genuine love. This is funny because this reminds me of the story of uh, I think it was it was not probably Elijah. I think it was Elisha or Elisha, his uh, Elijah's successor, that he that some children were making fun of him, and so he commanded two she, uh, she bears. Uh, female bears to attack to attack the uh the children and devour them. But this is I think a story by if I'm, I'm reading it and I don't even know. Uh, this is a story by uh Uncle Elijah he's feeding two bears. It makes me think that perhaps if it was Elisha or Elisha, perhaps Elijah would not be happy that he used a, he used the blessing that was given to him to kill to kill children who were making fun of him because he was a he had a bald head and the children were calling him Baldy. But. So be it. Even very exalted persons can make uh, mistakes. Um, we are all sinners. We are all sinners before the Lord. Uh, at this point, the elder opened up his hand and called to a red robin that was resting in the branches of a tree. And the little bird came and happily perched on the elder's finger. The animals enjoy... Being with man, and look at him as their king. He continued, "It is an incredible gift, I believe, of faith. One similar that uh, it was said that Saint Francesco and Saint or Saint Francis of Assisi, Sant." Francesco de Assisi uh, had that same gift of grace with animals, wild animals, uh, that level of godly love or agape, that agape love that he was so, you know, they, these saints are so one and close to God with God that they are able, the animals are able to rest around them at peace, to have peace, because they are under this peace, they have this peace that transcends all understanding. And the animals sense that they are in the presence of their king, because they are in the presence of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Father of all creation, who is Jesus Christ inside the believers, the saints. And they are in their presence, the presence of their king. So in the presence of our king, we can be at peace. In paradise, Adam called the animals one by one and gave them each a name according to its kind. Animals recognized man's superiority and were happy in his presence. After the fall, however, this relationship was destroyed. This is a lot uh, something that a lot of people perhaps struggle with and not really being clear about, um, a fallen nature, uh, a sinful nature, because sin is introduced into the world. Um... After the fall, however, this relationship was destroyed. Man looked at the beasts with the intention of killing them, and the animals became wild. It's it's really, it's it's uh, strangely peculiar because I asked the priest of the church that I go to today uh, about whether or not the uh, Athenite monks uh refrain from eating uh animals refrain from eating meat because i had heard something about that and now it's no coincidence that even the lord is teaching me through this story and i'm reading this very like almost the answer right here this is what happens uh when you wake up to the um, to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is pursuing you, he is pursuing us and he will win us over and if you have any doubts in your mind, um, Please surrender those doubts. Give them to the Lord Jesus Christ as a gift to him. Surrender your doubts and give them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so after all, the fall, however, this relationship was destroyed. Man looked at the beasts with the intention of killing them. And the animals became wild or defensive. This is my word. Nevertheless, the wild animals are still more sincere than man is. If you approach them with love, they return to that pristine state. Man has ruined the animals. Even the dog that lives continually by man's side was changed. Acquiring a police mentality and a distrustful character yeah like the hot dogs that bark at me sometimes when they see me just coming out out of my door with the garbage <laughs> uh, nevertheless the wild animals are still more sincere than man is if you approach them with love they return to that pristine state Man has ruined the animals. Even the dog that lives continually by man's side has changed, acquiring a police mentality and a distrustful character. I used to feed a little kitten around here that would come and rub itself up against my leg and purr. Although it was very tame, when one day I tossed a piece of bread to it, the animal pulled back in fear. What had happened to it? Someone had thrown stones at it and ruined the animal's attitude towards people. So you see, this evil state of affairs begins with man. When I again asked the elder if it were truly, really true, that the fiercest of wild beasts won't bother someone if he approaches it with love. He insisted that it was, that it was. When I again asked the elder if it were really true that the fiercest of wild beasts won't bother someone if he approaches it with love, he insisted that it was. And now I understood by experience what the elder had said at that time. Despite the fact that I I was in this blessed state, the thought came to me. I wonder what would happen if I sang some hymn from the Hindu Kirtana or said a mantra. I was overcome by senseless curiosity to find out if I would enter another state, or if nothing in particular would happen. First man falls in his mind, and later indeed. So I began to chant something from Kirtana and to say the mantra that Babaji had given me in my sleep, Om Namah Shivaya. I scarcely managed to say this mantra and immediately I felt both an internal and external change. Om Namah Shivaya means that I am uh, devoted to Shiva. That's, that's what it means. So he was saying, I am devoted to Shiva. But I don't know if he knew that, what it meant. Because uh, a lot of times they don't tell you the meaning of the mantra. They just say uh, it has a special frequency of, of intonation. And to just say it. I scarcely managed to say this mantra and immediately, and immediately I felt both an internal and external change. A weirdly icy breeze passed through the tree branches and gripped my soul with fear. The grace of Christ that kept my soul calm vanished. And with it, my peaceful and tender relationship with the world vanished as well. Isn't that something? I've experienced this as well. Isn't that something? For anyone who doubts that this is possible, this is, this is very true what this person is saying. In its place there was another strained power smothering me and altering the spiritual atmosphere so that everything seemed alien and unnatural simultaneously I felt frightened and callous I was no longer able to let myself be relaxed and free the trust and love that filled my soul when I was with Christ were, were gone I realized then that I should have been careful I tried to escape from this foreign influence and become as I had been before but all attempts were in vain The blessing that had rested upon me had obviously departed. I was at a loss as to how this change took place so rapidly. It was like something one runs across in books about witchcraft, in my distress. I fervently began to say the Jesus prayer aloud, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I was no longer interested in exploring differences or becoming an adept judge of spiritual states. I simply wanted to reacquire what I had lost, the sense of being a small child in Christ's arms. And the sweetness of his presence, I realized then that nothing else in life other than that it, it other nothing else in life other than that is really worth knowing other than that is really worth knowing. The Jesus prayer warded off that suffocating power and my inner fear, but my soul still felt the absence of his presence. I no longer felt fully alive and wide awake, instead I felt alone and deprived. Even now I still sorrow on account of being guilty of betraying, wounding, and turning my back on him who loved me so greatly, compelling him to depart in sadness. I foolishly despised and squandered the, the great gift That my father had given me and rightly suffered the consequences. Not having acquired that gift with my own personal toil I didn't appreciate its value and struggled to preserve it and to preserve it as I should have. Notwithstanding the elder felt pity for me and guarded a trace of that experience deep within my soul. Unscathed by my folly I learned from my mistake. I pray that others might have the humility to learn from it as well. Yeah. It is something that is indescribable if you don't know what he's talking about. Uh, But... I can't describe it. God is uh, is real. When He is He is resting upon you, His Holy Spirit is resting upon you. Uh, it's just the grace. It's only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ, through His sacrifice for us, to save us. Imagine, before Jesus came, um, nobody felt this kind of grace and love. Nobody felt these feelings that uh, this, this man is describing because it was only once a year on the Day of Atonement that the High Priest would make atonement for the people of Israel, that the Holy Spirit would come. Well, the Holy Spirit had gone before the people of Israel, and they had had moments and glimpses of it, but it only came around once a year when they were atoned, their sins were atoned for, and the, the guilt Of their sin had been lifted up off of them and grace had been poured out upon them and so they would celebrate because they would have these these rich and glorifying feelings that the Lord was with them that God was with them because of sin the fact that sin has has, had entered the world before that before sin entered the world Adam and Eve were bathed and clothed in light, in God's light. And he was, God was among them, and they could experience God in, in his fullness. And the animals, like it says here, were not wild. They did not kill each other, and they were not threatened by us. There was only love, complete, perfect love. Between human and animal, and animal and human, and human and God, and God and human. But when humans um, introduced sin into the world, the, the relationship with God was broken, because human beings took it upon themselves to to rule themselves and not be uh, and not obey, not be obedient to God. They obeyed uh, a serpent. They obeyed another creature, not God, and they and they listened to themselves, to their own thinking, and they they obeyed their own reasoning. Uh. And introduced sin into the world, and that's why, the condition of man is the human condition is the way it is, but the the redeemed human condition is. Um, that we should all return to Christ, that we should all return to God, to be one with Him, to ever be in service to Him, and Him to us. He is in service always to us. He is ever serving us, ever serving us. He is ever the most humble, the most merciful, uh, the most gentle, the most loving, the most kind. And, uh, his redemption is, is the only way. He, he, God Himself decided that the only way for us to be redeemed was for Him to come as a man Himself and to be our, become our Messiah and our Lord and our High Priest and to sacrifice Himself so that we should have the restoration of our relationship with God. So he is the one and only mediator for us, for all of us. We only need, ask Jesus Christ, to repair our relationship, broken relationship with God, and he will do it. And uh, so this person has had a taste of the gentleness of the Holy Spirit, but because he was playing around with uh the presence of god in his life and the grace of god in his life and uh turning toward another deity which is a false deity Shiva. he was turning to another deity the lord did not he he pulled his grace away from him so that he can see that there's there's nowhere else to go that if, if, they, if he turns to another source, that source will not give him what he desires. Because the truth is, the only God is, is the God that Jesus Christ reveals. And that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is no other God. There is no other God by any other name. Okay, Consolation from Elder Porphyrios. After Pascha, I returned to Mount Athos and to the cell of Father Christos. At one point, I learned that an elder named Father Porphyrios had recently come to the Holy Mountain to stay for a while in the Skeet, of Kavsko, Kavsokal, Kavsokalivia. Kav, Kavsokalivia. My Slavic is terrible. <laughs> I had heard so much, or I don't know if it's Slavic or Greek, but it's either one is terrible. I had heard that so much about this highly respected elder That as soon as I learned that he was on Athos, I immediately decided that I would visit him. I knew that he would resemble my own elder. But I wanted to see what holiness would be like in another person. That is, I was interested in discovering the traits of another God-bearer. I also had real needs at this time at that time since I was still open to spiritual attacks by the gurus and evil spirits various elders would give me spiritual gifts in order to heal me to support me to bring me to understanding and to enable me to know firsthand the difference between the experiences of mystical Christian faith and Hinduism. They taught me the difference between divine and demonic energy. I subconsciously hoped that Father Porphyrios would have a gift. This is, I want to bring up something that I noticed about the Orthodox Christian point of view and it is important that we know this because the Orthodox Christian point of view is Yes, the Holy Spirit works through, yes, the Holy Spirit comes to us and works through us, but those who are truly closest to God, very close to God, because they are very, they're, they're, they really are pursuing God in return, the Lord is pursuing them, but they are pursuing the Lord as well, which we are all called to do. They have spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit gives to them. And they can at times administer those gifts to others. That is very much biblical. That is very much the biblical understanding and the church understanding. So this is not incorrect by him saying he's receiving gifts from the Uh, elders, the various elders. He is receiving gifts. But the Protestant point of view is to not say that the gifts are coming from any of the elders. That the gifts are coming from the Holy Spirit. Just never mind about the elders. And the elders probably would be in that mood. They would be in that state and they would say, Yes, I, I have nothing to do with it. It's all from God. Definitely giving God the glory. They they could definitely give the uh they would most likely definitely give God the glory. But at times I think this type of attitude that is somewhat the Protestant attitude can become an attitude uh that is speaking for someone else and fails to recognize the authority of the church on earth. The church does have authority on earth. The administration, the organization, and those who are anointed as priests, those who are anointed as, as deacons and working as ministers in the church, have authority in the body of Christ, meaning the Christians, the fellow believers, the assembly of believers and, and all Christians, and the church building even itself has authority. The church building itself is a sacred place. And I, I have known uh, certain gurus who have uh, made it a point to say that it is biblical to that all of this these things are biblical, but they twist it and make it into some other thing, not about Christianity and they say that it applies to their guru or their their spiritual lineage that is passed on in Krishna consciousness. And this is not a Krishna-conscious lineage. The apostolic succession has nothing to do with Krishna, but everything to do with Christ Jesus. So these things are true, but in the context of Christianity, with Christ Jesus as the Head, as the Lord of Lords, as the one true God, no one else but him so these things are true that the that the house of worship is sacred that the anointed ministers and leaders of the church have an anointing and an authority and the church body itself has an anointing and authority and so therefore the rights that the Church has followed for since the time of the Apostles are spiritually authoritative just as much as Scripture is the authoritative Word of God. The Traditions and the Word of God both are combined the authority of Christ Jesus on Earth Because Jesus says he has authority over the heavens and the earth, all of creation. He is the head. He is the head in the heavens. We are at his footstool, at his feet on the earth. The earth is his footstool. And the church has spiritual authority on the earth. And they represent Christ Jesus. The body of Christ represents Christ Jesus. So that includes, definitely includes, everything that is anointed by God. Even down to the garments that the, the priests the priest wear. And, the, and definitely the body the body and blood of Christ is definitely supposed to be considered the literal body of Christ. Because if it's not, you're eating the Eucharist in an unworthy manner. You can't just consider it just a piece of bread and, a, and a, a, a cup of juice. If you anoint it with the authority of the Holy Spirit, the authority of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through the, through the blessing of the Holy Spirit, you have to believe that it is as the Lord has said in His Word, that it is the body. The bread has, has been broken and said, it is the body. And the cup is the cup of His sacrifice, that His blood has been spilled for us. So, so yes, uh, these things must be understood, and, and it is important to understand, because um, the enemy knows all about it, uh, the the Satan, Satan himself, the devil, has met Jesus face to face. He knows all about Jesus. He knows all about Scripture. He knows all about, and he mimics. He mimics and he copies. And he leads people astray because some people discern that, that there is something about it that's true. But it's in the wrong context. Because those people who are discerning that something about it that is true are being led to... Satan in disguise, because Satan knows how to appear as an angel of light, but um, he will never save you in any regard in any sense uh, he will just make a fool of you, and unlike a fool for Christ, he will make a fool of you and then and then discard you and throw you into and let you and let you fall away into a hellish into a hellish absence of love and affection and, and 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 all and all grace there there will be no grace that is what hell is hell is a very real place and people go there right on earth they go right to the gates of hell and the gates of hell are are frightening very frightening. As you can see in this story, a lot of people uh, or, or this person, this young man has had, has had glimpses of hell because he has felt the fear of uh, the darkness. So I said, he said, I also had real needs at that time since I was still open to spiritual attacks by the gurus and evil spirits. He's not crazy. He does, he knows exactly what he's talking about. Various elders would give me spiritual gifts in order to heal me, to support me, to bring me to understanding, and to enable me to know firsthand the difference between the experiences of mystical Christian faith and Hinduism. They taught me the difference between divine and demonic energy. I subconsciously hoped that Father Porfirios would hope for me as well. So yes, I'm sure, you know and this is a i think this is a uh, they show a photograph of Father Porphyrios with the Holy Theotokos the Holy Theotokos the ever virgin mary and the the baby jesus um so thanks be to god thanks be to god for this book and i hope you're enjoying it i hope you're you're being blessed by it and i hope you're getting something out of that definitely I I am definitely getting a lot out of this book. God bless you and good night. Thank you for listening. God bless you.